This morning we're going to be reflecting on Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is found on page 618. I invite you to take your your Bible out or if you're online, uh, grabbing uh, your resource and joining us as we think about uh, the significance of these words for our lives today. This message originated back in January uh, in connection with the Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, But it is a message for us for all time, really, in the sense that we're talking about what it means to live in the presence of God as his people every day. And why life is sacred is because we do just that. This morning we're going to look at uh, three reasons why Life is sacred as we find it in Psalm 139. And we're going to think about the fact that life is sacred because we live it out in the presence of God. Life is sacred because God created us. And life is sacred because God redeems us and is redeeming the world and us through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're going to begin, we're not going to read the whole psalm at once. We're going to begin by reading verses 1 through 12. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. I remember reading this passage many times and thinking that it was talking about the reality that we can't run away from God. Kind of like the story of Jonah. Jonah, God has a message for Jonah to deliver to Nineveh. Jonah decides he's not going, he's going in the other direction as far as he can go. What happened? God kind of chuckled and sent a storm. And he bore witness in that experience, not just to the Ninevites, but also to the crew that was on the ship with him. I often think that we think in these terms that this is about, you better not try to run from God because you can't. But there's another side to uh, this message that I think is good for us to consider this morning. Because what the psalm is telling us is that there is no place that we can go that God does not see. 
And that's a good thing. It is for our comfort and our blessing. There's a story for us recorded in Genesis chapter 16. It's the story of Hagar. Hagar is the maidservant of Sarai, of Sarah and Abraham. And after many years of waiting to have a child of her own, Sarah says to Abraham, take Hagar and create a child for me through her. And lo and behold, Hagar becomes pregnant and Sarah becomes very unhappy. She begins to abuse her maidservant, to treat her terribly because of what she herself asked for. And Hagar finally runs. She heads out into the desert, and we find her in Genesis 16, in the wilderness, alone, not knowing what the future holds, probably just wishing that she could die there. And in that place, she meets God and learns something about him. That is that God sees her. A very powerful thought. An angel comes to her and says, where are you going? Where did you come from? She explains the situation and the angel says, God sees you. You are going to have this son. He is going to be a significant figure in the world. And you are going to name him Ishmael because it testifies to the fact that God sees you. And so Hagar does, as a result of this, go back. And the child is born and she is reminded every time she says his name, God sees me. Now think about how powerful that really is. It's a very powerful thought to remember that no matter what we are going through, no matter how desperate our lives might seem, no matter how dark it might feel, whether we're a young man crying on the steps of a church in the middle of the night because we don't really know what we're doing and whether it's the right thing, or someone like Hagar who has been abused and mistreated. Perhaps someone who is going through a very difficult and trying time. The good news is your life matters to God and he sees you. I was reminded of that uh, a couple of weeks ago. I told you that my Good Samaritan experience is going to get into the story. Here's one example. I have a volunteer who's made it his, his mission to get to know the people who come through our doors uh, as well as he can. And on this particular afternoon, this uh, young man comes in, and he's really down, and he's really struggling, and he doesn't want to look at anybody. And he goes through, and he gets his food, and he goes out, and our, my volunteer goes out with him, and they talk, and he brings him back in and says, we have to pray over this gentleman. And we did. But then he said something really important to this gentleman. 
I see you. I see you. You have been seen today. Whatever it is that you are struggling with, I've seen it. I know you. And we will continue to pray for you. How many people don't we know around us who are struggling? Who wonder what life is about? Who wonder what the future holds? We have been blessed to know that whatever happens, God sees us. But maybe we need to be reminded once in a while. But there are also many others who don't fully understand the significance of that. Their life is important to God. Our lives are important to God. And he watches over us. We can trust that our lives are meaningful, sacred to him, because we know that there is no place that we can go that he doesn't see us and care for us and lead us and guide us. As the psalm says, life is sacred because God created us. Verses 12 to 18 are very familiar words to many of us, probably. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body in your book. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I like the uh, NIV translation of that last verse. All the days of my life were written down before one of them came to be. Life is sacred because God created it. We are sacred human beings because God created us. To listen to the story here of how that happens physically is amazing. God knew us before anyone else did. God cared about us long before we were even a thought in our parents' eyes, in our parents' minds. But look at the way that we are created. God was there the whole time putting us together. I like the story that uh, presentation uh, that I heard many years ago by Louis Giglio just talking about the amazing Miracle that happens just to create us. Again, as amazing as that is, there is more. And I think we find it in the words of that last verse that we read. All the days of our lives were written down before one of them came to be. Just think about that for a minute. Like I said, before 
anyone else knew about us, God knew us. Not only knew us, he knew us fully. Before anyone even thought of us, God had our whole life figured out. And to think about that just blows me away. Because God, before he created the world, must have seen that he was going to need me to fill this role in this time, in the fullness of this time, and that there were certain gifts and certain things that I was going to need, and so he planned all of that. And he built me to do what he planned for me to do. But then think of that. Because we're connected to so many different people in so many different ways that God has been working in all of his creation. Working things out according to his purpose. And we all have a part to play in his unfolding story. And he had that all figured out before he even began to create. He had to have, otherwise... How could he know? It's fundamentally amazing to me that God would go through all of that and ultimately, as I've often said in many cases, if, um, it's really amazing knowing that everything that was going to happen in this world that he created us anyway in order that he might redeem us and through us redeem his creation as well. Life is sacred because God had created us. Thinking in terms of the um, sanctity of life, uh, which is uh, primarily in response to Roe v. Wade, the abortion uh, rights people, or the abortion issue. And I, I heard somebody a while back who suggested that even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion's not going to go away. But he pointed out that now is the time for discussion. Now is the time when we can bring up and perhaps change the minds of others. Now is the time to, for us as God's people to reclaim the high ground to celebrate the miracle of childbirth and the value of raising children and the value of doing it according to God's will. It's an opportunity to share this good news in a new and exciting time. Life is sacred also because God redeems it. Verses 19 to 24. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak evil against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me 
in the way everlasting. Kind of hear the, the vindictiveness of, of this, this verse, of these verses. This idea that, hey Lord, I'm on your side. Let's go get them. Look at me. See if there's any reason why I can't do what you are calling me to do. And lead me in the way everlasting. Bring in the kingdom through my effort, our efforts. This is a psalm that David wrote, and perhaps there was a time in his life when he probably felt that way, perhaps even as he wrote these words. He was the one chosen by God to lead his people. He was the greatest king that Israel ever had. And for a long time, he could do no wrong in terms of the exercise of that authority. But then something happened that may have changed his perspective a little bit. We read about it in 2 Samuel, I think chapters 11 and 12. Excuse me. On that particular occasion, David sends his people, his army off to war, and he stays home. And it's a cool night, and he's out on his uh, upper terrace, and he sees a woman bathing, and he says, I want her. And she sends for him. They have their time together. Word comes back sometime later, I'm pregnant. David says, okay, let's see how we can fix this. So he calls his hit one of his chief military officers home for uh, supposedly to hear a good report about what's going on, but it's really about trying to get him to go home to his wife so they can cover up the fact that there's this child that's not his. That doesn't work, so he ends up killing this guy. Not directly, but making sure that he dies in battle, and then he can be the savior who comes to, to um, the rescue of this grieving widow of a friend of his. And nobody's going to know what's going on. He's still powerful King David. Until one day, a year or so later, Nathan comes in and tells him the story. And David is enraged. And then Nathan tells him that essentially God has seen everything that has gone on. And you are responsible for this. And David is concerned, very concerned, because he realizes what he's done. But then Nathan encourages him with these words. God has taken away your guilt. You will not die. Oh, you will suffer the consequences of this, and David did for the rest of his life. But God's not going to slay you right here now, because he's taken away your guilt. I think sometimes David must read these words again, must have read these words again in a different light, because as he's saying, oh, I hate the people you hate, he's also realizing that there's stuff in his life that God hates. Word that you would slay them. Well, I don't want that for myself. 
But thanks be to God, I have this testimony that God has taken away my guilt. Now, David didn't understand, probably could not have understood how that was going to happen. And apart from God's word, we would not understand either. The Lord took away our guilt, the guilt of our sins, by sending Jesus into the world in the fullness of time to do what Jesus came to do. As Paul writes it in Romans, he came to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And in him, God is reconciling the world and us to himself. And in him, he calls us to continue that ministry of reconciliation. To bear witness to this truth. To think about what it means for us in our relationships with others, in our relationships with the world, with the creation, with the nations. Life continues to be sacred and relevant, our lives, because God is redeeming us and his world. And he has placed us here for such a time as this that we may be instruments with him of making that happen. Whether it be interpersonally with friends or people that we meet uh, locally, or whether it be as the body of Christ in this place, ministering and proclaiming the truth of God's word in this community and living it out in our lives. Whether it be our denomination, whether it be the church of God, wherever it is found, we are one with them because of Jesus Christ our Lord telling the world about this amazing thing that God is redeeming us and them according to his purpose and living that out. Our lives are not sacred because there's somehow an, uh, an, an inalienable right to life, liberty, and happiness. Our lives are sacred and meaningful because God created us, because God is watching over us and leading us and teaching us because God is using us as a testament to his desire to save the world as instruments of his to proclaim the good news of what God in Christ has done and what he continues to do. Amen. Lord God, you are indeed Lord of lords and King of kings. And even as we say that, it is amazing that you are so great and so powerful and so beyond our comprehension that we can know that, as you tell us in your word, you see each one of us in our circumstances and in our need. But that we can also know that you created us, that you have a plan for us and a plan for our lives, whatever it feels like now, that we can trust that you see us.
and that you have put us together knowing what we need. Help us to trust you. To realize that what was true for David, that you have taken away the guilt of our sin, is true for us because of Jesus Christ. Humble us. Keep us humble. And help us by your Spirit to live a life worthy of your name and a life worthy of your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.